Hi, I'm Liza, and I've been reading tarot professionally for well over a decade. And this is Tarot for the Modern Reader, the podcast that will teach you simple, actionable techniques to read the cards with more clarity, accuracy, and ease, so you can get real answers to real questions for real people, including yourself, in today's modern world. Whether your readings are for guidance or prediction, I'll help you 86 the doubt and confusion and take your skills and confidence to the next level so you can become the best tarot reader you know. This is Tarot for the Modern Reader. Hello and welcome to the Tarot for the Modern Reader podcast. I'm your host, Liza, and this is episode number 21, Animal Symbols and Their Meanings in the Tarot. So have you ever noticed how many cards in your deck feature animals? Well, spoiler alert, in the Rider Waite Smith deck, it's 33. That is nearly half the deck. So what does this mean? Well, in the artwork of our decks, the animals are seen as symbols. They represent more than just something cute or interesting to look at. As a matter of fact, every animal has its own attributes that make it unique, and it has its own spiritual meaning as well. Nearly none of the animals on your cards are placed there by accident or just to improve the artwork of the card or give you something interesting to look at. Like all of the symbols on your cards, they have meaning from the larger than life horses on the knight's cards to the smallest or most obscure animals on your cards. They all have great meaning and insight into our cards and ultimately into our readings to offer us. So let's dig in this week to what the animals on your cards have to tell you. Now, I have pulled all 33 of these cards from my Rider Waite Smith deck, and that's the deck that I'm going to discuss today. However, you can use this technique with any deck that you are working with. All of the animals that I'm going to discuss with you today, their symbols carry across the board no matter which deck they're in. So anywhere that you see these symbols in your deck, you can apply those meanings to your readings and your cards as well. And if you have animals in your deck that I don't talk about today in this episode, then I would encourage you to go on to the Oracle of Google and find out what those meanings are for the animals that are in your deck. If they're ones that are unfamiliar to you or you don't know what their meanings are, these are ones that you want to look into yourself and see what their meanings are because those are going to enhance the meanings of uh, the cards and ultimately the readings that you're giving. Okay, so I have a list of cards that I'm going to talk about and a list of the animals that I want to talk about as well. And again, the podcast episodes are not scripted, so I have some notes in front of me, so I'll apologize in advance if I skip around a little bit. I want to talk about some animals that are on multiple cards, and then there are multiple suits of cards that have different animals. So I'm going to try my best to keep it organized for you, and this is an episode that's also going to be a little bit more meaty, so this would be a good time to hit the pause button quick if you want to get a pen and paper and maybe write down uh, some of the keywords that I 
throw out at you for some of these animals or, you know, if there are just some uh, notes on some of these animals that you want to take down. So if you do want to do something like that, now would be the time to hit that pause button quick and we are going to get started. Okay, so what animals do we have in our tarot deck? Now, you know, actually, before we get started, I will also say I'm just going to cover the actual animals in our tarot deck. I will touch very briefly on the end, um, at the end, on the metaphysical creatures that are in, are in our deck, but that could be easily a whole nother podcast episode in and of itself. So for the most part, we're going to try and stick to the actual uh, real life animals. <clears throat> so starting off, when we look through our deck, we see some animals that repeat based on the suit. So we will see more birds with our swords and more fish on our cups, salamanders with the wand suit, right? Um, and then we have some animals that are just more prevalent throughout the deck uh, than anything else. Like birds and horses are by far the most animals, uh, the quantity of the number of cards. There are more birds and more horses in this deck than any other uh, animal that shows up. And then, of course, we have three cards that have dogs. We have three cards that have snakes. So those are the next that follow up uh, as far as quantity. And then we just have a whole list of random animals that show up, uh, one here or there, in varying quantities. So I'm going to go through each of the animals in this deck with you today. And we're going to start out with the bird and the butterfly. So if you happen to have your deck, if you use a uh, Rider Waite Smith deck, or if you have one on hand, and you would like to go through these cards as I discuss them as well, that would be fun. You can take a look at the symbolism in the cards with me as I discuss it. So we're going to start out with the court cards from the suit of swords. And I'm going to try and discuss the uh, the courts in groups. I'm going to try to discuss our court families as groups of cards because these ones in particular have the same animal across the board uh, on their cards. And in the suit of swords, it's not really an animal, I guess you would say, Birds and butterflies are the two creatures that we see on the Swords family member cards. So first, let's talk about the butterflies. Now, we see butterflies on the King of Swords throne, and we see them on the throne of the Queen of Swords, and we see it on the banner that goes across the front of the Knight of Swords horse. Now, Butterflies represent, like birds, freedom, okay, because they fly, uh, you know, they're a symbol of freedom. But butterflies are also a symbol for transformation. So anytime you see a butterfly in a reading, you may get the message of freedom, but you will also get the message of transformation. Now, why is this? If we think about how a butterfly works, how it becomes a butterfly from a caterpillar, you know, it forms its chrysalis as a caterpillar and it goes within and it stays in there for some determinate amount of time until it changes and morphs into a butterfly. Now, if you were to cut open 
the chrysalis to release the butterfly, the butterfly would not survive. It, its wings would not be strong enough to carry it. So part of this transformative process is the pressure and the strain, the growing pains that have to occur. If we release the butterfly from its habitat too soon, it won't have developed the strength it needed by breaking itself out of the chrysalis to have formed the strength that its wings need to fly, to carry it on later once it gets out of its chrysalis. So not only is a butterfly a symbol for transformation, it's also an important symbol that transformation comes from doing hard things. So we all know that the suit of swords is sometimes considered the most difficult cards of the deck, right? We find a lot of our difficulties in the cards that are in the suit of swords. But this is also the same reason that the butterflies are on these cards, that this is where our transformation occurs. And on that note, when it comes to transformation, the suit of swords is also the suit of clarity, of communication, of all of our mental powers, all of the mental things that go on, speaking, communicating with others, thinking, ideas, all of that mental activity is associated with the suit of swords. And transformation begins in the mind. You know, there's a lot of uh, literature and talk about how fire can be very transformative and water you know, the suit of cups, you know, that's related to that, that water is very transformative. And I have no doubt that all of our elements have very much a transformative power to them. But I really believe that most, if not all transformation begins in the mind. So last year, I went through a very transformative journey of my own in a lot of different ways. Um, physically, I lost 30 pounds. And mentally, um, emotionally, I made some major changes to the circle of people in my life. Spiritually, I deepened my spiritual practice. I've radically changed my practice. So all of these things together, you know, really <clears throat> created quite a transformation in my life. But all of that first came through the mind. The body cannot achieve what the mind cannot conceive. So all the things that we know about law of attraction and how all of these uh, different types of things work, even in the realms of magic and, and all of the changes that we make, they all come through the power of thought. That simple phrase, thought creates. Two words, that's a complete sentence. Thought creates. Truly what we achieve in the world, even in the physical world, all comes first through the mind. So that symbol of transformation that the butterfly truly embodies, that's why we see this on the swords card. So those are the butterflies. Then we have the birds. Now the birds are another symbol of freedom. They fly through the air, they're uninhibited, and birds are also characteristic of communication. So that's why we see these cards on, um, or these birds are on our swords suits. So really, really that, that freedom that can come 
through communication, right? The, the freedom is very liberating, like having conversations that are difficult or doing the hard things, because this is, again, of the suit of swords. The swords is some of our most difficult energy. And once again, the things that are most liberating for us usually come through the things that are most challenging for us to do. So in these cards, in the swords cards, we see the birds on the king of swords. We see the bird in the queen of swords. And then we also see them in the knight and the page. And what's interesting about these cards is that we only see just these tiny little blackbirds that are drawn on the cards, you know, just the little V-shaped wings. We have no idea what kind of birds these are only that there are birds on these cards. So those are some of the most basic representations of the birds. So we're talking on these cards about the symbolism of birds in general, birds at large, right? So those are our most basic meanings for the birds. But then we have other cards in our deck that actually have specific birds. And this is the next thing that I want to talk about. We're going to stay with the theme of birds here. Now, of all of the animals in our deck, the birds on the next couple of cards I'm going to talk about are the only ones where we have specific animals within the animal, um, or in this case, birds, specific birds within the larger category of birds. So if you do happen to have your deck in front of you and you want to pull these cards out ahead of time uh, as you have them when we start talking about them, I will tell you the cards we are looking for and the cards we're talking about are going to be the Ace of Cups, the Star, and the Nine of Pentacles. So let's start with the Ace of Cups. On the Ace of Cups, we see a dove. Now, what are the meanings for the dove? Peace, hope, optimism, love, innocence, divinity, the Holy Spirit. And this is a reference to the cup as the Holy Grail. Doves are known for bringing in love. White doves specifically are uh, a symbol of purity. Doves are known to be loving, to be gentle, to be kind. Doves are a symbol for navigation. So let's take a look at what some of these things mean in terms of interpreting them in our cards. And I'm sure you're, you're finding as well that when we give some of the meanings for the animal or the creature, it inherently matches the meanings for the card. I mean, in theory, that's why those creatures are featured on that card, right? Because they are an energetic and symbolic match for the meaning of the card. So just sharing with you some of the keywords uh, for each of these creatures already uh, helps you understand how they relate to the meaning of the card. So doves, just like pigeons, are known as messenger birds. Uh, years and years and years ago, they were used for navigation, just like pigeons. They could carry messages very long distances. If they were taken very far from home, they could navigate their way back home very easily. So what does this mean for us in our card readings? Well, the suit of cups, and particularly the ace of cups, 
is also known for the spiritual pursuits that um, it shares with us, right? So although we know that cups are about relationships and how we relate to other people, there's also the spiritual aspect to this suit and particularly in the Ace of Cups. You know, we're looking at uh, the relationship that we have with spirit. So in this particular card, having a dove on this card is uh, sort of like a symbol of navigation for finding your spiritual direction, right? Because doves can travel long distances. This uh, symbol of the dove on this card is kind of like a message that you are on the direction of your life path. You're, you're looking for your spiritual direction, or this card is taking you in the direction that you need to be going on your spiritual journey. So depending on the reason um, that you've drawn this card, maybe you've had a question, maybe you didn't have a question, maybe you had a, a question about relationships, or maybe you were just doing a general reading. So when this card comes up in your reading, that's for you to determine, is this a card about love and relationships um, or something else? But if you're, you know, reading this card in the context of some sort of spiritual meaning, you know, it can mean that you are deepening your spiritual path. It can mean that you are looking for more, that you're on a path of self-actualization, self-realization, enlightenment. All of those things are indicated by the dove on this card. And doves, again, are very loving. They're very gentle. So like this is not uh, a hard lesson. When the dove is in your presence, like she's gently guiding you on your path. Okay, the next bird card that we're going to talk about is the star. So if you pull out your star card, if you have one, and this could be in any deck. Again, you don't have to have the Rider Waite Smith deck, but a lot of decks have the same symbolism um, across the board. So in whatever deck that you are using, if there is a bird on your star card, uh, then like the Rider Waite Smith, it is likely the Ibis. So what does the Ibis symbolize? Well, if you take a look at this card, it's just a small bird in the background. It's probably something that is so small and so insignificant to your, you know, what you notice about this card. I mean, when we first look at this card, we see the bright, huge star right in the middle. And then we see uh, the woman who is pouring the, the water out into the uh, land and the water itself. And this bird seems so small and insignificant in the background. But when we talk about what the ibis symbolizes, it really brings to light just how significant this bird is to this card. So the ibis symbolizes sacred wisdom, art, healing, magic. It symbolizes the human soul, the afterlife, and the transit between the worlds of the living and the dead. The bird symbolizes great thinkers. It symbolizes the mysteries of life. It symbolizes spirituality. The ibis loves truth and it's associated with memory and record keeping. So how is all of this relevant to this card? Well, the ibis is also associated with the ancient Egyptian god called Toth or Toth, however you prefer to say it. You can even say it Thoth or Thoth. So whichever way you pronounce uh, his name, completely up to you. 
after quite an extensive internet search uh, before I recorded this podcast episode, it has become apparent that there is pretty much no consensus on how it is um, how it is pronounced. There are quite a number of people that pronounce it all of those ways. So however you choose to pronounce it um, is totally fine. So this particular god is the, first of all, his head is an, of an ibis. So I should make that connection. He is a human body, but it is the head of an ibis. So that is what he looks like. And he is the patron god of wisdom, of literature, of science, and of invention. So we start to see where these qualities of the ibis mesh with the qualities of the god. Okay, but why is this relevant to the card? So let's tie a few of these things together. The ibis is also a bird that is all about community. So the bird lives in a community of up to 300 other birds. It raises its young with other birds in community. Like they, they help each other raise their young. This is very much a community type of bird. So when we look at the star card, we start to talk, tie this into astrology. So, you know, somewhere in every episode, I have to mention that metaphysical systems don't exist in a vacuum. And many of our meanings come through other systems. So understanding that the star card is ruled by the sign of Aquarius, which is associated with the 11th house in astrology, gives us some more clues to the meaning of this bird on this card. So the 11th house is community. It's doing things for other people. It's humanitarian efforts. It's relationships with like-minded peers, which is definitely something that the IBIS is all about. The collective wisdom of the group, the community aspect, that's the house that this card is associated with. And those are all of the qualities that the IBIS is associated with. And when we bring it back to the God and we're looking at, you know, the patron of science and invention, well, those are definitely Aquarius qualities, even the wisdom Aquarius, you know, along with being considered aloof, a lot of that is because Aquarius, what they lack in social skills, you know, or social, I shouldn't say lack in social skills, but being very social and the life of the party and nurturing, those are not Aquarius qualities. Aquarius qualities are things that have to do with invention, things that have to do with science. They're considered some of the most genius people in the world. So those are Aquarius qualities and those are qualities associated with the God, which are qualities that are associated with this bird, which ultimately bring all these qualities to this card. This particular god is also the god of literature, and he is a scribe. So the Greeks associated him with their god Hermes. Um, so this particular god 
is the the writing God and the you know literature and all of the things that have to do with the written word, which is why the ibis is associated with record keeping because this God was considered the scribe. He was also the keeper of the mysteries, which goes along with the moon. So that's how he you know gets. That's where this card gets that association with the healing and the magic and and some of those other qualities that go along with our uh, moon associations as well. So that is the Ibis on the star card. Okay, moving on to one of my favorite cards, which is the nine of pentacles. And here's where we see the falcon. Now a falcon is associated with hard work, perseverance, patience, diligence, It has ties to royalty. It's considered king of the birds, victory, rulership, overcoming obstacles. Okay, so these are all keywords that we can see being tied to the suit of pentacles. So with this particular card and with this bird, a lot of times we we see that our achievements come from recognizing our own potential and the tools that we have at our disposal. That's something that the Falcon is very good at. What's what's more interesting is that the Falcon is a traveler. So the the Falcon can travel very, very, very fast. In a dive, the Falcon can travel at up to 200 miles per hour. That's really fast. And yet if we look at the bird here, with the hood on, um, and he is not shackled here, but with his hood on, it's like he might as well be, right? Because he can't see. And we see that she's wearing a glove on the one hand, not the other, but the hand that holds the bird, which indicates that the bird didn't land here by accident. The fact that it's wearing a hood and she's wearing a glove indicates something more of like a falconer, right? Like the bird is under her control. And in this particular case, we're really kind of like taking away that freedom of the bird. He has all of those tools at his disposal. He can fly to the greatest heights. His talons are his tools. Like that's how he catches his prey, which is what his food is. He feeds on small animals. So, you know, he already has everything he needs. And yet he's here, you know, basically grounded more or less. And that's really a good metaphor for this card. Our uh, a queenly woman here in this card, and maybe not a queen, but definitely a very well-off woman. We can see her her castle or her fancy abode in the background. Looking at her clothing, we can tell that she is well-to-do. Those are actually the symbols of Venus on the card, by the way. This is this card is Venus in Virgo. So it's an earth sign um, and it's very abundant. So we see how lush the garden is. We see all the grapes that are growing. We see the pentacles that are growing. This woman has worked very, very hard and she has everything she needs. But on that note, she's kind of trapped, almost in a prison of her own making. And it's hard to call it a prison when it seems like you have everything in the world that you need. It's certainly a very lush environment, uh, but she's also now kind of shackled to that environment. The plants won't grow on their own. The home needs to be taken care of. And all of her 
wealth and stately, you know, luxurious belongings and things are all right here. So she has absolutely everything in the world that she could possibly need right here. But she is pretty much shackled to right here. And that's kind of how this bird is as well. Um, he is kind of grounded in this situation. So falcons can be trained, you know, they, they, have everything they need to be birds of prey and do all the things that they need, but they can also be trained to listen to their master as well. So in this particular case, the bird is kind of an in indication um, of the woman that while there is everything available to the bird and to her, you know, that, that they could ever want or need, they're kind of stuck. You know, they're kind of uh, here in this moment. If you, if you want to do something else or you want to go somewhere else, there are things that have to be given up. So that is the Falcon on the Nine of Pentacles. So those are our bird cards. And now we're going to switch gears and talk about our horses. So we have horses on seven different cards. Four of them are our knight cards. So I'm going to give you the qualities of the horses, and then I'm just kind of going to move between the cards um, and talk about what I think is relevant to each one, not in any particular order. So horses are associated with strength, power, stamina, freedom, courage, integrity, perseverance, valor, beauty, spirit, forward movement, progress, and arrival. Now, you can come up with quite a number of keywords uh, for these animals. And if you take a look around the internet, you'll be able to come up with plenty on your own as well. But when we look through some of these, we can really see how they play out with our horses. So for example, the last three, forward movement, progress, arrival, these are all qualities that we give to our knights cards, right? So our knights in the traditional decks, in the traditional sense, are on horseback. And whenever our knight cards come up in the readings, we often consider them to be cards of movement, cards of progress, right? And why is that? Because they're on horses. That's exactly what horses do. They carry us forward. So all of our knights are on horseback. And what's really interesting is that in the rider weight deck, we see different levels of movement with the horses based on the suit itself. So our fastest moving energy, you know, the, uh, the Knight of Wands, he's like bucking and rearing and, you know, really jumping in the air. We have our Knight of Swords, who is really taking off, like he is flying like the wind. Then we have our Knight of Cups, and our Knight of Cups is fairly stationary. He's got one hoof up in the air, and the back hoof is lifted as well to indicate that he is walking. There is movement, but he's definitely not moving fast. And then we have our Knight of Pentacles, our Earth Energy, which is, of course, the slowest energy in the deck. And this knight, this horse, is completely standing still. He just appears to be looking out over the terrain. There is no movement with this one. Now, if we look at some of our other knights or other, um, I'm sorry, cards in the deck that have horses, we have the death card, we have the sun card, and we have the six of wands. So when we take a look at some of these other keywords like valor, um, we would see that in some of these cards. First of all, we're definitely going to see valor in all of the knights. Uh, we're going to see courage 
in all of the nights. We're going to see integrity in our night cards. We're going to see perseverance with our nights. So many of these qualities are all qualities that we would attribute to the nights. When we look at some of these other cards, we look at the six of wands, we definitely see valor. We, we see someone who is coming back from battle. We see beauty and spirit. So this card is actually associated uh, with the, go- the god Apollo, as is the sun card because the god Apollo rules the sun. He's, you know, a sun, one of the sun gods in, um, in Greek and Roman mythology. So we have the sun card here that is associated with Apollo, but we also have the six of wands being associated with Apollo. Aside from the fact that it's a wands card, which is associated with that fiery energy, um, we also see the wreath, um, the wreaths in this card as well, which is our laurel leaves, um, which is our wreaths of success. So we kind of have this energy throughout that, you know, we, st- we can start to make some associations. These cards are also associated with stamina. So when we take a look at our sun card, we definitely see strength, right? Because that is where strength comes from, the sun. We see power. We see all of these things. Um, valor, beauty. These are in this card as well. Spirit. That's a big one in this card. And when we look at our death card, this is even more interesting. So he represents a totally different side to all of these cards. Uh, There's definitely power. There's definitely strength. And there's a different type of freedom and courage in this card. The, The themes that this card brings are totally different. And when these cards were created, they were, you know, created with themes from cross cultural cross religious you know depictions so in in these times when christianity you know was coming about it was said that jesus would return on a white horse and i think that is funny too when we look at this particular card we look at apocalyptic times you know with the death card and we're told in in Christianity that the second coming of Jesus, you know, when the end comes, he will come in on a white horse. And you're able to look at this card with new eyes, you know, even if you have a, a pagan background, you know, depending what your belief system is, we can see the way the symbolism in these cards can be adapted across multiple religions. So that is the death card. Okay, let's move on to the next most prevalent animal in our deck. And this is the dog. So dogs symbolize adaptability, friendship, family, loyalty. They're trustworthy. They're faithful. Unconditional love and devotion. Protection. Affection joy, kindness. These are all attributes that we give to the dog. And in our deck, we see the dog on the 10 of pentacles, the fool and the moon card. Now on the 10 of pentacles and the fool, both cards feature white dogs, which is interesting because white indicates pure feelings and magical abilities. And it's actually a good sign. Um, it's a sign of purity. And in some some lore, they say that a black dog crossing your path, um, almost like a black cat, they say, uh, but it's a little bit different with a black dog could be signs of 
black magic, uh, negative, negative attributes, um, someone meaning you ill or not wishing well for you. So a black dog was seen as less favorable than a white dog. And it makes me wonder um, if that is part of why this deck was illustrated and why the decks are often illustrated with white dogs. When dogs are pictured as man's best friend and symbols of loyalty, is that why they're colored white? That's for you to decide. So in these particular cards, we see the dog in the fool definitely living up to the friendship loyalty, faithfulness, unconditional love, affection, kindness, right? He is like man's best friend in this card. And then when we look at the 10 of pentacles, we see the dog here, two of them, as a matter of fact, really coming in the other side with the family and the protection and the affection. So in these particular cards, these dogs seem as though they are more like members of the family and they are very trustworthy. They are loyal. You notice how both dogs are looking at the old man in the picture, like waiting to be told what to do, that the dogs are not necessarily there to think for themselves. As humans, we are free thinkers and we want to be free thinkers. But as a dog, as man's best friend and as our protector, they best serve by knowing what to do. Dogs like to have a job. They want to know what to do and when to do it. And so these dogs um, in this card and in the Fool all are looking at their master for their cue what to do next. All of these dogs display um, a semblance of loyalty and unconditional love and devotion and protection to the people that they are with. And then in the Moon card, it's a little bit different because here the dog is alongside the wolf. So again, in some of our cards, the symbolism is um, general. And then in other ones, it's very specific, very uh, specific to the environment or the animal in the card, like some of our birds were. And here in this card, the dog still has those same attributes. But when we add in the wolf that's next to the dog, the wolf's attributes come in too. So the wolf, like the dog, has attributes of loyalty, family, friendship. The, the wolf is very loyal and very protective of its pack. The wolf is also playful. But the wolf also has other qualities like its instincts, its intuition, uh, will, the wildness of the wolf, and freedom is associated with the wolf. Now, I say instincts. Honestly, that goes with the dog as well. Whether a dog or a wolf, um, instincts are a large part of it. And they are part of the you know same family of animals or the same breed. Um, but the difference here with these two in this card is that they are representing the two sides of us, the two sides of our psyche, like the tamed and the untamed. And the moon card is really about going into the depths, right? Like really going in uh, deep into our own psyche. So that's where this wolf side comes into play. The, the moon card is for more than just what's on the outside. So if the dog were associated with the sun, it would be like the wolf being associated with the moon. Um, there, there are two sides to us. And the wildness that the wolf symbolizes is that part of us that we don't know very well, that we don't have any control over. 
And that's where the scorpion comes in on this card as well. So you see at the bottom of the card, there is a Scorpio, uh, scorpion. And the scorpion is a symbol for death and rebirth. It's a symbol for transformation, protection from evil in some cultures, fertility, desire, secrets, healing. These are all symbols of the scorpion. Now, in some of our cards, the symbols are associated with the astrological theme of the card. So the moon is a card associated with the water signs, much like the sign of Scorpio. And you notice that a lot of the Scorpio, uh, Scorpion keywords are words that we would also use with the sign of Scorpio. So in this card, the scorpion is kind of like that base creature. The sign of Scorpio has multiple animals that are associated with it, unlike other signs where each sign has like one animal that represents it. The Scorpio sign has four animals. It's very unique in that way. And the scorpion is like the first level. Um, with the sign of Scorpio, the animals kind of go up, right? So we have the scorpion and then next a little more evolved is the snake and then more evolved beyond that is the eagle. And then at the very top, the most uh, evolved expression of the sign is the phoenix. So at the very base level, we have the crustacean, you know, we have the scorpion. This is really associated with all of those base level desires and those base level feelings. So the scorpion really is a great attribute to the moon card because it's all about just discovering what some of those very basic motivations and fears and desires are in our life, which is the work that the moon card really advocates for us. Okay, let's move on to the Next card on the list, and next we are talking about fish. So I'm trying to uh, go from similar energy to similar energy. So we're going to move away from the scorpion, but we're staying with the water theme. So now we're going to the fish cards, and the fish are on our suit of cups. So if you have your suit of cups cards and you want to bring them out, now would be a good time. So we have our King of Cups, our Queen of Cups, our Knight of Cups, and our Page of Cups. So if you take a look on these cards, we have uh, some fish on the King of Cups, both in his necklace and in the background. And then in the Queen of Cups, we have not a fish on this card, as a matter of fact. Well, no, that's actually not true. We do have one in the very bottom corner of her throne. Um, and these there are other mythological creatures on this card. They look like if you, depending on your card, um, they can be different. But in the Rider Waite Smith deck, they look like tiny little mermaids. Um, and the one in the bottom corner of the throne is holding on to a fish. And then in our Knight of Cups, we see the fish on his tunic. And then in the Page of Cups, he is staring at the fish. It's coming out of the um, out of the cup. So our keywords for the fish are a lot of the feminine qualities like the suit of cups itself. So they are intuitive. They are exploring the unknown. They represent creativity, good luck, knowledge, wisdom, inspiration, prophecy. So if we look at some of these cards, how do we see those show up in our cards? So let's just take a look at the page of cups. He's staring at this fish in a cup. This is just to me such an absolute amazing representation of creativity inspiration, 
exploring the unknown. It's like he's trying to figure out what's in that cup. What do you have for me? He's a card of creativity, right? So it could even be like with the messages, you know, exploring the unknown because pages are cards of messages. What is it that the fish has to tell you? What is the creativity that he is inspiring? Could even be the prophecy aspect of it. When we look at our other cards, like the Queen of Cups, she is all about the wisdom. She is all about the knowledge. She is all about the inspiration. Same thing with our King of Cups. You know, with our, our King of Cups, we are kind of doing the same thing. There's the wisdom there and there's the inspiration. Our King of Cups is really our, our caretaker in, in the uh, suit of cups or in the kings in general on an emotional front, which is what the fish cards represent because the fish, again, are a lot of the feminine qualities. And same thing when we look at our knight, you know, not all of the cards have all of the suit symbols on them. And some of them, they just have the, they have the actual item, the actual animal or, you know, whatever it is, creature in the card. And like the, the cups does in the Kings, we see the fish jumping out of the water and we see the fish on his necklace. But then in the Knight of Cups, for example, we simply see the fish representation on his tunic. So there's not any actual fish cards in that particular card. So they're a little bit different across the board, but the deck really has a good way of getting that symbolism into each of those cards. All right, let's take a look at what's next. Oh, the next couple are going to be your astrological associations. So this is really interesting. Um, if you have your world card, the world card has the eagle the lion and the bull on it. And there is also the head of a man. But since we are talking about animal symbolism here, um, the other three are animals. And in this particular case, this is a good example where it's not specifically the symbolism of the animal that's relevant to this card, but the symbolism of what all of those animals together mean. So in the world card, when we see these symbols, we don't necessarily look to what it means uh, that a lion is on the card or that a bull is on the card. What we're looking at here is the fact that they, these symbols all together represent the four fixed signs of the zodiac. And I have talked about this in a previous podcast, um, the wheel, the world, and the tetramorphs, or the world, the wheel, and the tetramorphs. But uh, that's a previous podcast where we talked about what these symbols on these cards mean in depth. But just know that on the world card, while there is an eagle, a bull, and a lion featured, it's not really about what those symbols mean particularly. It's about the fact that this card is representing seasonal cycles, and those represent the signs for each of the four fixed signs of the zodiac. So they are representing just the cyclical aspect of this card. Then we have the emperor and on the emperor, we see the symbol for the ram and the ram is featured on his throne in four different positions. What does the ram mean? Boldness, new beginnings, a new path, power, the warrior, fearlessness, determination, sacred masculine. 
every single one of those keywords that goes with the ram you can see in this card so if you don't know the emperor is associated with the sign of aries in the zodiac and aries is a fire sign and it is the first sign of the zodiac so aries people are you know rash and do things quickly and want to forge a new path they're not the people that lay down the foundations they're the people that blaze the new trail and the emperor himself is the warrior. He is, you know, the, the, the king of the armies. He's the king of everything. He's the emperor. So when we go back and look at those keywords for the ram, it really sounds like I'm reading off the keywords of the card. And that's really an indication of something I touched on in the beginning that when the animals on your card show up, they're often very much in line with the things that that card means. As a matter of fact, they are part of the reason that the card has the meanings that it does. So a lot of times your animal symbols are very much in line with your card meanings. So boldness, new beginnings, new path, power. Power is the emperor. The warrior is the emperor. Fearlessness is the emperor. Determination, sacred masculine. This is the most masculine card of the deck. This is the card for the masculine energy. And that's what the ram energy is. The boldness, the new beginning, the new path. All of those are the Aries energy that comes through this card. So you can really see how the Ram is so aligned with the Emperor card. Okay, next we have the Lion. So symbolism for the Lion includes courage, strength, protection, majesty, wisdom, power, solar energy, passionate, confident. So these are all energies that we associate with the uh, strength card and with our suit of wands. So of course we have the lion on the strength card. We also have the lion on the throne of the king of wands. We see the lion on the throne of the queen of wands um, as well. So we have this lion energy in these cards. And when we look back at the meaning, so if we look at our lion card, um, our strength card, we see courage, we see strength, we see protection, majesty, you know, the lion is considered the king of the jungle, right? So they, they are the royalty. And so that's why we see them featured on the wands cards, because the wands are the fire suit that goes along with strength. Strength is a, um, a fire sign. It goes with Leo, Leo the lion. So these are all fire sign, fire energy cards. Passionate. One was the last time that you didn't associate the word passionate with the queen of wands the strength card in old decks was cons uh, once called lust so all of these keywords are words that go with our cards confident leo the lion is very confident so these are our lion associations now also on these cards we have the salamander so some keywords for the salamander are renewal, regeneration, rebirth, growth, passion, energy. And salamander is the spirit of fire. So unlike any of our other court suits whose um, spirit animal that would go with their, their, um, their energy, like fire, air, water, earth, the suit of wands is the only one whose spirit energy is also an animal uh, in the natural world. 
So the salamander is associated with all of these amazing fire qualities. Not only is the salamander the spirit of fire, but it's associated uh, with our fire suit. So salamanders are all about renewal, regeneration, rebirth, growth. And if we look at um, our wand suit, that's where we see growth. That's where we see passion. That's where we see energy. The suit of wands is a very yang suit. It's one of our two yang energies, fire. So you can see how the salamander fits with our wands energy and why they're there in those cards. And if you look closely, what's really interesting is that when you start with the page and move your way up to the king, the salamander is an open circle uh, in the page. And as we move all the way up to the king, it gets to the point where um, he is now biting his tail, which is like an Ouroboros. And in that case, he is completing the cycle. So that cycle of rebirth, um, re being reborn, regeneration, that's what we get with the king where the salamander is now closing the circle and biting his tail. And while we are on the suit of wands, we have one more animal to talk about, and that is the black cat that is on the queen of wands. So cats indicate independence, agility, elegance, curiosity, playfulness, assertiveness, spontaneity, rebirth. People with this quality will have magnetism and good vibes, right? This is definitely a queen of wands quality. So when you hear those qualities of the cat, how many of those remind you of the queen of wands? The magnetism, the good vibes, the spontaneity, assertiveness, playfulness, curiosity, elegance, right? These are all queen of wands qualities. So you can see why this particular kitty sits with our queen of wands. Okay, moving on to the court pentacles now, and we are coming into the home stretch. So on our pentacles court cards, we have our king and queen and knight and page. But wait, although we have our page in this uh, suit, we don't actually have any animal symbols on our page card. And this is the one court card that we do not have any animals featured. And what's really interesting is that the other pentacle suits all have an animal or a creature associated with them. Like obviously we just talked about the salamander that follows the fire court members and even the lion that is on the majority of them, the fish that are on all of the cups cards and the birds that are on all of the swords cards and even the butterflies that are on most of the swords cards but the pentacles we don't really have anything uh we see the bull which is on the king and the queen and that is because it is the sign for taurus and taurus is an earth sign but the knight of pentacles and the page of pentacles do not have a bull they don't have there is no one animal that is featured across the board across these four cards as a matter of fact, the page and the knight don't have anything on them. Um, the knight has his horse that we already talked about in the larger concept of horses, but that is not relative to the suit, you know, like having something that goes across the board with this suit. So in the pentacles, we just have the king and the queen, and the bull is the only animal featured on the king, and it is also featured on the queen. So... The sign for Taurus indicates wealth, strength, power, stamina, 
stability, determination, achievement. These are all cards that go along with the pentacle suits, the suit for money, and in particular, the two highest ranking members of that suit. So the wealth, the power, the determination, the achievement, those are all keywords that go along with our king and our queen. Now, the queen also has a goat on her card. So the queen has quite a number of creatures on her card. You'll see the, the goat is on the corner of her throne. The goat is a symbol for health, vitality, abundance, stability, determination, a lot of these same qualities as the bull. You'll see the, the vitality, the health. These are all pentacles types of qualities, abundance, determination. The stability comes from the fact that a goat is very sure-footed. It climbs up the side of a rocky mountain on you know a ledge that is only a couple inches in uh, out from the wall. So goats really need to have the stability and the determination and the confidence and the fearlessness, right? And so these are all qualities that we see uh, in the Queen of Pentacles. She is, more than anything, the most stable of all of the queens. So the Pentacles energy in general is very stable. And then on this card, we also see the bunny. Do you see that bunny hidden in the bottom right corner of the card? So obscure, so blended in with the environment that we can almost miss it if we aren't looking for it. So the bunny is a symbol of good luck, particularly with family and finances. Two things that this card is associated with. Um, the queen of pentacles, you've heard me say many times, is the card that I associate for myself with being a caretaker of my home, of my children, uh, financially and physically. So she's really kind of the mom and the provider. So having good luck, bunnies are a symbol of good luck, but having that be associated particularly with family and finances is because that is a key theme for this card. Also new beginnings, fertility. These are things that the bunny are associated with. And fertility, if we take a look at this background of the card, it's a very fertile at atmosphere. It's much like the empress. Gentleness, growth, abundance, wealth, all symbols of the queen of pentacles. This card um, is very symbolic of spring, which is something that the bunny is a symbol of. We see that everything is just kind of coming into fruition in this card, which is another theme of the bunny, fruitfulness and renewal. So we can see here that the bunny's key words are all very much in alignment with the theme of the queen of pentacles uh, herself. So once again, showing that the animals that are chosen for these cards are very much in alignment with the meanings of the cards. Okay, the last animal we are going to talk about is the snake. So here are some keywords for the snake. Wisdom, evil, temptation, kundalini energy, fertility, creative life force, rebirth, regeneration, healing, the soul's journey towards self-realization. Now, this is another example where the cards have different meanings based on what you believe the snake means and the card that it's featured in. So let's first talk about the lover's card. So if you want to pull these cards, there are three, the lover's, the seven of cups, and the two of cups. So the very first card, the lover's, features a snake entwined around the tree behind the woman on the left. This card very much is indicative of the Garden of Eden. 
you know, the idea that snakes are evil. So in this card, I believe, even though it's a very positive card, the attribute of the snake in this card is the uh, evil aspect and the temptation aspect. It can be the fertility aspect because of the nature of this card. Uh, it could be healing. There are a lot of meanings in this card that the snake can be representing. Wisdom, honestly, if you think about this particular card um, in the context of the Garden of Eden, there are lots of ways that we can attribute the snake meaning in this card. So we can look at the evil factor. We can look at the temptation factor. We can look at the wisdom factor. We can look at the fertility. We can look at the healing. There are many ways to read that. And then when we move a little further along, we take a look at the seven of cups. We see the snake in the upper right corner in that cup. In this particular cup, once again, it's a matter of what the snake means to you. When you look at this card, do you see the snake representing wisdom? In one of those cups? Or do you see the snake representing temptation? Do you see the snake representing healing? Do you see the snake representing fertility? So you get to choose based on what that means to you, how you view the snake. And that may change in different readings, you know, depending on who you're reading for, whether you're reading for yourself or someone else, that snake may have different meanings to different people and even to yourself in different readings. And then in the last one, we have the two of cups. And in that one, we have the snakes intertwined traveling up the rod. And there are multiple meanings to this as well. But my favorite is the fact that the snakes around a rod like that are a symbol for Asclepius, which is the Greek god of healing. And what's interesting about this is that the snake really depends on the sun for its energy. The snake cannot live without sun. So, you know, we see snakes sunning themselves on rocks. They need that heat. That's how they get everything. And then they transmute that into their healing energy. So when we look at the fact that snakes intertwined around a rod represent the medical symbol in the medical community, and that is the symbol for Asclepius, who is the Greek god of healing. He is also the son of Apollo, which is the god of the sun that we talked about. So I feel like there's really a, a beautiful um, synergy there that snakes depend on the sun, and this symbol is the symbol for Asclepius, the the god of healing, who is the son of the sun god. All right, that's a lot of suns there, but you get what I'm saying. So that's one way you can look at this card. Um, the healing aspect really comes in with this card. You can look at it as uh, fertility. You can look at it as creative life force. Really, the snakes going up like that can definitely be an indication of that kundalini energy or the soul's journey towards self-realization, uh, that regeneration. So it's all a matter of how you want to look at this card. And now the last thing that I will touch on, and we're not going to talk about it in this episode because we're really getting to the end of time. Um, 
But there are quite a number of cards in here that have some mythological creatures that we can talk about as well. Uh, that Seven of Cups that we just talked about had the dragon in it. And a lot of times dragons are symbols of treasure. Wherever you find a dragon, they may be hoarding treasure. Um, in that Two of Cups, we have the lion with the wings, which the winged lion is uh, possibly one of the... It's a symbol for Mark um, from the Bible, which, you know, each of the four books of the Bible. There's like the winged horse and uh, the, the four, um, not the winged horse, I'm sorry, the winged lion. And then all of our four symbols from the world card that we talked about, those are the four creatures that make up those four animals and those four creatures. So it could be a symbol for that. And then on several of our cards, we have sphinxes um, on the chariot and again on the wheel of fortune. And then the Wheel of Fortune also has a, the four tetramorphs on it and a jackal, which a jackal is a um, jackal-headed man. But in Egypt, Egyptian times, they did not really differentiate between the jackal and the dog. So that's a bit of an interesting look into what that symbolism could mean too. And then we have the Devil card, which has what appears to be a goat, but it's a little bit more than just that. Um, so I didn't really discuss it with the goat when we talked about the goat themes, because I think there's more to this creature uh, than just our standard goat. So we may put those into a future um, podcast episode if there's interest in that. But those are your cards that have animal symbols on them. So I hope that you have learned something today. And I hope that you can see how each of these animals plays a role into the meaning of the cards that it shows up on and uh, what that means in terms of interpreting your cards in your reading, what those animals mean when they show up in your readings. And if you are using a deck that is different from the Rider Waite Smith, I would encourage you to go through your own deck and pull out the cards that have animals on them. And if the animals that you find in your deck are different than the ones that I have in my deck, go on the internet and research them. Find out what those meanings are. This one way to get better at your readings is to really study your cards, the ones that you, you know, are your working deck that you're reading with the most. Just adding to that Rolodex of meaning that you have for each one of your cards can really help to enhance your uh, readings. Okay, that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I will see you in the next one.